Well, happy December, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. You have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined me. Today is Mailbox Monday. It's the day of the week that I take just a little bit of time and I answer listener questions. And as usual, you guys have sent in some fantastic questions and I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so answering them. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I first of all, before I jump into today's um, today's podcast, uh, I want to say thanks to everyone who came out. We had a sold out crowd in Thousand Oaks, California, at Godspeed Calvary Chapel. This is an event I've done a couple of times before, and I love uh, I love going down to Godspeed. It's like a little bit of a family reunion. And this year, they really outdid themselves. I mean, they had overflow seating and everything. And I spoke on what it means to shine. What what does it look like for the women of God to display the countenance of God in the times that we're living in? So we don't know what's going to happen in 2024. And as I've said to you guys before, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And I mean, we're, you know, obviously we're going to wait and see, but it wouldn't surprise me if 2024 wasn't a bumpy year. <laughs> it's a, Uh, We've got, first of all, it's an election year, and we've seen now what happens during election years. We see all kinds of, you know, crazy shenanigans coming from the government, and we've lived through now pandemics and all kinds of things. And in the midst of all of that, we are called as people of God to, to display the glory of God the Father. We're supposed to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. We're supposed to be the city on a hill. We're supposed to be reflecting like the moon reflects the the light of the sun. We are supposed to be, as Christians, reflecting the light of Jesus Christ. So not to be the light, but to be a reflection of that. And it doesn't matter what happens in 2024 in with regard to our command to do that. And so we spent the uh, the evening on Friday in Thousand Oaks talking about what it means to shine. And it was just, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful event. So thanks to everybody who came out for that. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what God does in your lives, all of you actually, in the months to come in 2024. Uh, we are right now putting together our schedule. As you can see, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, you can see that I've got a little bit of a different background. We're changing things up here at the show. We've got some really exciting things coming up. Next month for the month of January, I'm going to be taking women through the book of Esther in sort of epic fashion because I believe that there is a lot to be gleaned from the book of Esther for the new year. And we want to model the same kind of commitment that she had to obeying the Lord, to uh, thriving in her circumstances, and to to use the gifts and abilities that God had given her and the position that he gave her to do an amazing, incredible thing. And of course, Esther responsible for the the for thwarting an assassination attempt against the Jews. And as we're watching what's happening in the world right now, it shouldn't surprise us that in 2024, we're going to see some startling events occur. And so my hope for you as we enter into the new year, and even as we enter into this beautiful time of year, is that we would be steadying our hearts before the Lord. And if you want to join me at the Faith That Speaks community, if you want to be part of that Bible study, I write those studies every month and then uh, also do a video teaching and uh, I come in live to talk to uh, 
uh, the women at that community once a week. And so I would love to interact with you, hear what God's doing in your life. And let's just pray together for the, the heart of God to shine through his people in the weeks and months to come, because I think that God is always at work. I really, really also appreciate those of you who are uh, shopping at the Heidi St. John shop. Thank you for doing that. We've got some really great stuff in there for Christmas, some wonderful um, uh, wonderful pictures that you can put up on your wall. And I just think it, this is a great time of year. If you're looking to bless somebody with a gift and also bless this ministry, check it out at HeidiStJohn.com and just go to the shop. I want to jump right into your questions today and remind you again, uh, if, if you have never submitted a question here and you're like, how do I do that? It's just HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. And I take your questions every day, uh, every once a week here on Mondays. And I try to uh, get to them as quickly as I can. Sometimes we do them in off days as well, but I would love to hear from you. It's also the place to go to submit your show ideas. So we'd love to hear from who, uh, you know, who you'd like to hear interviewed here at the Heidi St. John podcast in the new year. So we're making plans right now for a spectacular year and we're excited about that. I want to, most of my questions today, by the way, are anonymous today. Uh, only one person has a name on their question. And so we obviously take uh, anonymous questions, but the first one comes from Amy in Kentucky. And she said, hi, Heidi, my fiance of 10 years says he believes in God said he believes in God when we first got together. I started getting closer to God and going to church with our son who about three months ago. And my fiance has all of a sudden arguing with me about how he hates us going to church. What should I do to help him understand that it's where I want to be? So Amy, a couple of things. Thank you for writing in, and I appreciate hearing from you. And to me, I want to focus on maybe a different part of your question. Well, actually, it's not even a part of your question. I'm going to focus on something else, and then I'll get to to what you're what you're asking me as well. But it, it looks to me a couple things about your your question uh, set off some alarm bells inside of me right away. And the first one is you said that you you've got a fiance of ten years, and so I guess my first question is why aren't you guys married yet? Like why are we why are we extending the the engagement period? I am actually you know for my own children and certainly this was true in my life. You know once our kids are like this is the person we're going to get married, my husband and I are like, dude, let's get the show on the road because long engagements really foster sin. I think because you don't have the privileges of a married person anymore, and you don't have the privileges of a single person. You're sort of in this engagement limbo, and I think it's really hard on relationships when we stay in that place. So that's the first thing that sort of comes to my mind. And the second thing is, you know, if your fiance who has not, you can't get him to commit now for 10 years, he won't, you're not actually pulling the trigger and getting married. Um, that's concerning, but more concerning to me is that he, I feel as if, um, this guy doesn't know the Lord. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And I could be wrong, Amy. Maybe you're just like, no, you know, he, he knows the Lord, but he just, he just hates going to church, just doesn't want to go to church. Well, okay, that might be true. But the Bible teaches us that we are not to be unequally yoked. And this feels like very much that it could be a situation where you're going to wind up unequally yoked. And that is not what we want. We don't want to be raising our children when we don't have the same goals and aspirations. And if you're not, if he's not walking in a right relationship with, with the Lord, 
if you think you're struggling now, wait till you're in a marriage relationship and you're trying to raise your son to walk with the Lord and you're fighting this man. And so my encouragement, I guess, to you in the midst of all of this right now is to say, hey, we need to get some counseling because I would not enter into, and I realize it's been 10 years. And so I'm telling you, I think that you've got bigger fish to fry than your boyfriend telling you he doesn't want to go to church. All of a sudden he hates going to church. A, I think, first of all, it's what the Bible commands, which is don't be unequally yoked. And second of all, I'd really be curious to know why you guys haven't gotten married, why you've been engaged for 10 years. And so, um, Amy, I would encourage you just to start there. So we've said to our daughters that it is so worth it to wait. You do not want to you know, get so upset that you're never going to get married, that you jump the gun and you marry somebody who you should have never, never married in the first place. And now instead of being upset and, and sad for a couple of years, you've got a lifetime of being upset and sad. So uh, I would encourage you that direction. Really pay attention to who this guy is and ask yourself, A, is he marriage material? And B, is he going to be the um, the spiritual mentor and example that our son needs. And right now, it seems like, Amy, the answer to that question is no. Uh, an anonymous listener in South Carolina wrote in to say, thank you for your recent episode on empty nesting and adult children. What would you say to the mom whose young adult child is going through deep water and is without Christ? His life is unfolding with one tragedy after another, and my heart is breaking every single day. Speak to me about how to go on with joy in the Lord and love my husband and younger children, somehow separating my heart from being wrapped up and pulled down by my oldest child's life. And she went on to say that some of his trials are of his own making. Others appear to be the heavy hand of God, including the diagnosis of a devastating disability. I heard a quote a long time ago that I have often said, you know, in my own life when I'm struggling with, you know, something is happening with one of my kids, that a mother is only as happy as her saddest child, meaning you know, as mothers, our hearts obviously ache for our children. We want them to be walking in a right relationship with the Lord, and we want our kids to be thriving in the life that God has given them. And when they don't walk with the Lord, it can be so easy. Or let's say that they've got an illness, like it sounds like your son is is uh, dealing with a, d- a disability. We can be so wrapped up in the life of that child that we sometimes forget to pay attention to the other children. And I have seen this happen over and over again. I saw it uh, in my own family of origin. And so I would just encourage you, as I talked about this a little bit the other day, what we don't want to do is continually look behind. And the only answer, the the antidote to this, and I know it sounds simple, but it's so true. The, an- the antidote to this worry is to ask the Lord of Heaven's armies to come into your life and flood you with peace, His peace. It's the peace of God that passes understanding. And there's nothing that you can do. And I think this is true of adult children. You know, once our children leave our home, we realize that, we, you know, the, 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 the control we thought we had was really just an illusion of control. And when your kids aren't walking with the Lord, when you've got a prodigal child, that hurts because you know that they're being set up for a lifetime of frustration and disappointment and in many cases, absolute misery. And when the child is unhappy, the mother tends also to be unhappy. And so I guess my encouragement to you in this season of your life would be pray for your son. Let him know, I love you. You know, you can send him 
notes, you know, text messages, whatever. It's just, maybe it's an encouragement. Hey, here's a verse I read today. Oh, hey, I wanted you to know I'm, I'm praying for you. And then you're going to have to put it out of your mind and focus on your husband and the children that you still have living at home. Because trust me when I say the enemy would love to take you out in the midst of all this. He would love to make it so that you can't uh, parent your own children that you still have at home that you're responsible for and so that your marriage suffers. And that is not the heart of God. And so I would say as much as you can, it, and as much as it depends on you, focus on those children that you still have left at home and ask the Lord to help you to cover you with that that salve so that your uh, your energies are not poured out over here where uh, when they are needed so desperately at home with your husband and your children. And I'm telling you what, um, I understand the pain that you're going through. And I have several friends over the years who've kids whose kids have walked away from the Lord in spectacular fashion. I've experienced this in my own family of origin, and I know how badly it hurts, but I'm here to tell you right now, those kids that you have at home and your husband, they desperately need you. And the enemy wants to take out not just one child, but all of your children. So keep your eyes focused on that. And then ask the Lord to give you joy. Joy, remember this as you're walking through this. And I talked about this a little bit in uh, in Los Angeles this last weekend, joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is the unmistakable sign of the presence of God at work in your life. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that God gives to you. And if you are marked constantly by being gloomy and grumpy, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I've been struggling with grumpiness lately, and we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come because I don't think I'm the only grumpy mom uh, out there on the planet. I can be, I can be, um, discontent. I can be uh, grumpy. I can be, I can be critical, overcritical, and it doesn't encourage the people around me. And in fact, it discourages them. And so uh, I'm going to encourage you away from that place. And just to say, lean into the Lord. If you don't have joy, it's not God's fault. All right. We want to lean into that because God says that he wants to give it to us. And so I just want to encourage you, hang in there, Anonymous. I appreciate where you're coming from, and uh, I will be praying for you as the Lord brings you to mind. You guys hear me talk about this all the time, but strong families don't happen by accident. Lots of time in prayer, intentional time spent together, and teaching the values that really matter are what build strong families. It isn't easy, but Brave Books makes it a little bit easier. Brave Books believes in the power of the family unit to shape the next generation, and you guys know that's my jam. Their family book subscription includes a book per month with family activities and lessons that teach subjects like freedom versus communism, traditional gender identity, and the importance of being truthful. They are such great books, and your kids are going to love them. This is a great Christmas gift that will keep on giving well into the new year. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code Heidi to save 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. That's bravebooks.com coupon code Heidi. Anonymous listener in Texas says, how do you deal with mom guilt when you fail? When I make mistakes, I feel like I'm ruining my children's faith. Well, I mean, I, I do not know a single mom, myself included, who does not feel those feelings of failure. And I think the failures are uh, are opportunities for us to go back to our children and say, wow, hey, look at me. You know, <laughs> I am so sorry. I think I've told you guys before that I think there's more power in an apology. And I'm not talking about the apology that you make over and over again because you, you, know, you keep doing the thing and then going back and say, hey, guys, I'm really sorry. Okay. 
at, at some point that apology is going to be mute. At some point, your kids aren't going to care about it anymore because they're going to realize you don't actually mean it because you keep doing the thing that you're doing. Repentance is found. Metanoia means I change my mind. I turn around. I don't I don't continue in the same pattern of behavior. Or if I do slip back into it, uh, it's not very often. So when you tell your children, man, you guys, you know what? Could you just pray for me? I could use some encouragement to me today. I'm telling you what, your willingness to stay in there with your kids is going to have a whole lot greater impact on them than if you uh, pretended like you never messed up. None of us are perfect and we will mess up. But thanks uh, thanks to the Lord and to his grace in our lives, we can go to the Father, find that forgiveness, and His feet, our feet can be put back on a solid uh, path again. So show your children that. I think it's really important that you let your kids know when you've made a mistake. But bad days don't make bad moms. Bad months don't make bad bad moms. I think what uh, when we get into territory that is hard to recover from, it's exactly what I was just saying a few minutes ago. It's when we continue to do the same thing over and over again, and yet you know we're we're apologizing, right? We're saying the words, but our kids know that we don't mean it. When that happens to you, then you're in deep water. And that to me is an entirely different thing. So um, moms are really easy to guilt. We're guilt magnets. You know, I was I used to say to moms, look at most moms I know are like Captain Anxiety, able to leap to the worst conclusion in the single bound. And I'm here to tell you right now that if that's you, if you're sort of that Captain Anxiety, or then you get into this a martyr mom syndrome where, you know, I can't do anything right. No one loves me and no one appreciates me. Uh, all of these things are are areas of life that I think we all struggle with. These are common struggles that we have. What you don't want to do is stay in that struggle and then go back and continue to repeat it. So it sounds to me like the mom guilt that you're dealing with is the kind of guilt that all of us moms deal with from time to time. And I would just encourage you to see yourself through the lens of the Lord and um, and keep short accounts with your kids. Parenting is not for cowards. Motherhood is not for cowards. And it certainly, it absolutely unearths all of the hard things in our lives that we'd like to be able to cover up, but we haven't been able to. And so hang in there because God's got something uh, good for you and your kids are going to forgive you. You're gonna be surprised. Uh, in all of the years of parenting, and our youngest daughter just turned 13, and uh, after church on Sunday, we took her and got her ears pierced. That's what we do when our kids uh, turn 13. And then that Sunday evening, our whole family gathered together, and we just pray a blessing over Sailor. We we pray for her as she enters into the teen years, and that was my last uh, child now uh, to to. Uh, to get out of the you know early childhood years and become a teenager. And it was kind of a bittersweet moment for me. And as I was standing there watching her, and all five of my daughters were there, as I was standing there watching her, I was just praising the Lord that in my weakness, God has given me grace for these kids. And he will give you that grace too. Grace is amazing. And it comes from the Lord. It's not something that we've earned. It's something that he gives us. And it will show up, mom, in your countenance, right? In the smile that you have on your face and your willingness to continue to go forward, even when you're discouraged and frustrated, God wants to work in your life. All right, I've got one more a question from an anonymous listener. Hi, Heidi, we've been attending church for three years. They were open during the Rona and saw what was really happening, and they boldly stand up for righteousness in our community. However, three of the pastors attended Bethel School, and so far we haven't heard anything spoken from the pulpit that is concerning, but one of the books that we're supposed to study is Strengthen Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson. 
This is very concerning to me, as I've heard you mention Bethel on your podcast. Could you let your concerns regarding Bethel so I can share them with my husband? We want to be discerning and not to be led astray. All right. So Bethel Church is a uh, is a bit of an enigma. And I think a lot of people who go to Bethel, I mean, you know, people talk about their music and sometimes people ask me, you know, what do you think about Bethel's music? I'm not a fan of Bethel, Bethel's theology. When the theology comes out of the music, uh, you, you know, you have to be careful. But some of my favorite contemporary Christian worship songs are written by Bethel, Bethel music. I love the song, Goodness of God. I could sing it all day long. Um, their victory album, you know, uh, raise a hallelujah. Oh my goodness, you guys, some of the, that music is amazing. So I always tell people, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And yet if the bathwater is tepid, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to take a hot bath or I'm going to take an ice bath, but I'm not going to sit in a half bath, if you know what I'm saying. I want the whole thing. And Bethel Church is, for those of you who are not familiar, it's a mega church located, I, I believe, in uh, Northern California and Redding, California. And their main thing that they're known for is their music. But the senior pastors, which were Bill and Benny Johnson, Benny, also known as Brenda Johnson, I believe she went home to be the Lord uh, in the last year and a half or so. So she's no longer here. But the Johnsons, he and his wife became pastors of Bethel Church in 1996. And in 2005, they split their association with the Assemblies of God, and they sort of went off into this non-denominational um, space. And a lot of churches are in the non-denominational non space. But the only problem with that is that there's really no accountability in that space because in a denomination, there are there's, um, doctrines that we adhere to. There are people, the hierarchy in those denominations that help kind of keep the churches uh, moving in, in a, at least in a theology, in a doctrine that's consistent. And Bethel music which of course is the the music label part of Bethel is just a part of what they do. And I think that's what most people think of. But Bill and Benny Johnson had, a, had I mean, obviously she's gone home to be with the Lord now, but they had, and I think he still does have a pretty sketchy, weird, some pretty sketchy and weird teachings. Uh, the Gospel Coalition put an article out about them a couple of years ago, and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. And in one of their points, they say this, the Johnsons are frequently criticized for their teaching, which often veers from the suspect to the outright heretical. A prime example is Bill Johnson's Jesus Christ is Perfect theology, which claims that it is always God's will to heal someone. So obviously, I mean, I don't have time to go into that, but if it's always God's will to heal somebody, then why why do godly and wonderful people get sick and die? Well, I'll tell you why. We live in a fallen, broken world. We're under the curse of sin. We sing about it now at Christmas time more than just about any other time of the year. Uh, and uh, and this, this, this uh, idea that God wants to heal everyone, that it's the will of God, is very, very weird to me. And uh, Bill Johnson is quoted as saying that we can't lower the standard of scripture to our level of experience. It's a very uncomfortable realization and not everyone can handle it. Most create doctrine that you can't find in the person of Jesus. He is the will of God. And so he, he goes on to make a case for why he believes that it's God's will to heal everyone. Benny Johnson, who is of course not with us anymore, taught some very weird kinds of things. She had a particular fascination with angelology. She um, had, you know, she, she, uh, she wrote 
about these encounters that she had with angels, which seemed to be very weird to me. And then some members of Bethel, including Benny Johnson, allegedly engage in the practice of something called grave sucking or grave soaking, in which they lie on a person's grave to, quote, soak up the deceased's anointing. In an interview, Bill Johnson has said that neither he nor Bethel encouraged the practice of grave soaking, But in his book, The Physics of Heaven, this is what Johnson said, and I quote, there are anointings, mantles, revelations, and mysteries that have lain unclaimed literally where they were left because the generation that walked in them never passed them on. I believe it's possible for us to recover realms of anointing, realms of insight, realms of God that have been untended for decades to simply choosing to reclaim them and perpetuate them for future generations. You know, you know, can you guys hear the theological ambulance hurtling toward this church? They need it very badly. So uh, Bethel Church claims to frequently encounter unexplained phenomenon during their services and also their everyday lives, such as gold dust falling from the sky and angel feathers. Uh, So you know what God can do anything, but this is a little bit odd. And as I've said many times before, you need to be going to a church that is solidly teaching the word of God. I really prefer listening to a pastor who's going to walk through the word of God. This is one of the reasons why I've enjoyed Calvary Chapel uh, for so long. They tend to just start in the Bible at Genesis and just work their way through. When they get to the end of the book, they start all over again. They work their way through. And it sounds like Bethel is more known for experiential faith rather than the faith that comes by a working knowledge of Jesus as we understand it through the word of God and through the scriptures. And I think it's really easy for for uh, human beings to fall into a very emotional type of faith. And that is what strikes me when I hear about Bethel. And so um, I think we should be careful. I don't want to normalize a lot of things that that Bethel says. I'm also not willing to say that Bill Johnson doesn't know the Lord. So I've met some people who had some very weird views who I do think understood the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ and that piece of it they got. But I wouldn't want to be, uh, I, I probably wouldn't send my own family or, or go myself to Bethel for all of the reasons that I just laid out for you. So again, I will link back to that article uh, in the Gospel Coalition. And also they have an interesting YouTube video that they link to, which is uh, Bill Johnson responding to what he called a glory cloud at Bethel. So uh, listen, you guys, we want to be very careful and respond. And in fact, one of the teachings, one of the teachings that I did years ago was teaching you how to spot a false teacher. So five traits of false teachers. We spent an entire month talking about what it looks like to be able to sit under sound teaching. And I remember the apostle Paul telling young Timothy at the end of his life, Paul's getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. He knows that his life is going to come to an end. And he says that a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, but they'll turn their ears to whatever they want to hear, whatever their itching ears want to hear, they're going to turn their eyes that way. And so we don't want to be like that. We want to be like the Bereans who study to show ourselves as approved workmen unto God who do not need to be shamed, but who can rightly handle 
the word of truth. That is where we want to be found. And that is where the life is found that we're looking for as we walk this thing out with the Lord. So uh, those are great questions. And I appreciate you guys writing into me. If you've got questions that you'd like to see addressed here at the show, the way to do that is just go to HeidiStJohn.com and click on the mailbox Monday. And I would love to answer your questions. It's important to us that we... Um, we get to as many questions as we can, and I love hearing from you guys and answering those questions. You can also reach out to us with your show ideas. We'd love to hear it, and it's that time of year again. If you have Christmas cards that you want to send me, I will put them on the wall, and lots and lots of people will see them here at Firmly Planted Family, and you can write to me, Heidi St. John, Kara Firmly Planted Family, at our new address this year. So if you've got it from last year, it's not going to go to the same place anymore. Our new address is one four. 001 Southeast 1st Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98684. And I hope you guys will write to me and send us your Christmas cards. We would love to hear from you. If you're interested in going through the Bible with me in 2024, now is a great time to sign up. Just go to faiththatspeaks.com. Those Bible studies are for women of all ages, for mothers and for single women. And I think you guys are going to be blessed as we study the Word of God in 2024. This is how we get discernment by by the way. It's by it's by walking in right relationship with the Lord, by getting to know him, by studying his word and by letting the other people around us who are also walking with the Lord sharpen us in our faith. You guys, I hope you're having a great week wherever you are. Thank you so much for leaving reviews for the show and for passing on to your friends. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to continue answering your questions right here at the intersection of faith and culture.